welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on this show, talking to landscape photographers about their creative processes, motivations, likes and dislikes. This week I'm talking to Sam Markham about his stunning landscapes. Sam is a self-taught landscape and wilderness photographer based on the south coast of New South Wales in Australia. He first picked up a camera back in 2011. Since then, he's fallen in love with photographing the world around him. Photography has made Sam appreciate his surroundings, especially the smaller details in life. He creates expressive images in an attempt to inspire more people to explore the beauty that this world has to offer. We discuss how he came into photography, his experiences during the devastating bushfires in Australia in 2019, and much more. I hope you enjoy the show. G'day, Sam. Welcome to Landscape Photography World. How are you going? Good, Grant. How are you going? Yeah, having a pretty good Wednesday. So thanks for taking the time to talk to me. How about you start with the uh, the Sam Markham story? Yeah, no worries. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, so oh, where do I start? Um, 2011 is when I first picked up a camera. I... Uh, I bought, oh, actually, my, my mum mom and dad bought us a family DSLR. Um, it was a Canon 600D. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mum telling me back then to uh, not touch it and not put it in manual mode. Just, you know, if you want to use it, use it. But, you know, put it in auto and just, you know, go for your life. That's fine. But don't put it in manual mode because you were scared that, um, I was going to break it or um, she didn't want me mucking up on any of the settings or anything. And I don't don't really think she knew that you could switch it from manual mode back to auto and it would just kind of just like reset itself. But I, being a disobedient uh, child back then, kind of, yeah, put it in manual mode and I um, haven't taken my camera out of manual mode ever since. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So what, uh, what, what I guess is, what, what's your earliest photography memory? I remember when we, the house we're living in now, we, my parents built that. Um, and I remember, gosh, I probably was like eight years old, I think. And we had a, that, that wasn't the Canon um, 600D. It was a really old like film camera, like a Panasonic yeah. or something. And you had to like wind the back of it. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember just kind of taking, I remember sitting next to my dad's ute and we, uh, I remember like kind of turning around and mum gave it to me to kind of mind. And I remember like taking a photo of some of the the, the ground clearing um, equipment that they had there, that some of the builders had to clear the trees and stuff. Yep. That's, yeah, that's probably my first photographic memory. Okay. I knew, um Back kind of before I was born and early, when I was born, my dad used to take photos on film, but I don't really remember that. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. So why landscape photography? Um, so we all, oh, I suppose a lot of people do the same type of thing. They go through the stages of, um, well, I did. When, when I first picked up a camera, I went from, you know, I picked it up and I took photos of my pets. I took photos of people um 
sport, wildlife, basically everything, you name it. Um, the whole thing where you get the steel wool in a thing and you swirl it around and it sends sparks everywhere. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I think la just landscapes kind of just stuck and they kind of just have ever since. So I, I just kind of just fell in love with it. And I can't really remember a, like a specific moment, but I kind of just ran with it and yeah, just never really looked back ever since then. Okay. So what, what motivates you to keep going and, uh, you know, get, get your creative juices flowing? Um, probably, well, I'm based, I'm based from the South coast of New South Wales, um, yep. a little place called Palmer, which is probably about 30 minutes south of Nara and probably about 30 minutes inland from Huskisson. Okay. Yep. Yep. And I think that just, I, I, for me, I personally enjoy um, kind of taking photos of things that say some most people might have even seen before in the landscape photography like genre, but trying to either get the best conditions possible or unique conditions, or I just kind of kind of try and push myself in that kind of realm. Um, yeah. That's kind of a bad thing at the same time. It, um, come, it, I get a lot of like perfectionism type things and it, it uh, can be like a mental roadblock, you know, like you go out for like three months or something and you shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and you still don't get something you're happy with. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's, that, I struggle with that sometimes, but um, yeah, I, I, I kind of like at the moment I'm, I've got, I'm sitting on quite a lot of work, but I'm just haven't really, I keep opening them up in Photoshop and then kind of just not feeling motivated to edit. I know that there's images in there, but just, yeah, I'm not really motivated at the moment, but I'll get yeah. around to it. It's better to have a backlog than not have a backlog. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what, what what's your approach to that, I guess, um, creative block, if you like, you know, are, are you just sort of, uh, popping them open occasionally when you feel like it and ha having a dabble or are you just sort of deliberately letting some of them gestate until you, you're ready? Um, so I know I've got like little mind, like little um, markers kind of going on in my mind at the moment. I can think of multiple images that I've kind of got to edit and I know that that photo is going to work. It's going to edit, but I've just, I've got to know, I've just got to sit down and be in the right kind of mindset to edit it. And yep. I know that yep. eventually I'll get there, but at the moment I'm kind of, I'm trying to, I've, I've actually quite been enjoying just trying to get out more and just photograph at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, like I remember when I first started, it was uh, kind of get the the shots around near my area. Um, you know, I live kind of close to a couple of waterfalls and that, go there, take photos, and then it kind of just expanded and expanded and expanded. So the waterfall five minutes down the road and then um, the the rocks at Kayama, so like Bombay Quarry and Cathedral Rocks, they were yep. uh, about 45-minute drive from me. And after I kind of explored them and really kind of nailed some shots there, then I, it, just kind of, it just kind of grew in this circle, this radius of where I wanted to take photos just slowly got bigger and bigger and bigger. And now the problem is that 
um, for me to kind of feel inspired or anything. I've got to travel further or push myself with um, like hiking into a remote area with um, some school friends or something. And mm. yeah, trying to, trying to get to places that I've never been or something like that to keep me inspired. Yeah. Well, I was going to going to ask, does where you live influence how you shoot as opposed to where you shoot, you know? Yes and no, I suppose. It's, yeah. I, I feel like I'm more condition-based, so. Yep. I know I probably shouldn't do this, but I do, and it's like I'll read the weather and I'll go, okay, that's probably going to be a good sunrise or that's probably going to be a good storm. You know, if it lines up, I'm like, okay, this will probably work which is probably something I shouldn't do, but and it, it can be detrimental to my own work because I just won't go out on days which I don't think are the greatest. Um, but it also is a positive because it makes you think, um, like if you can teach yourself how to read weather charts and whether you can kind of optimise the times you, when you do go out and try and chase those special um, conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so it sounds like you're doing a bit of planning before you're uh, going out into the field. Are you going out with a concept in mind or do you just, uh, you know, stumble around the landscape and find what you find and and, and shoot that? Um, so, well, it depends on the location. If it's a really well-known location, it's kind of like, okay, I know what's been, been shot there. I've got other people's photos i've got you know just photos from google earth or google maps or google images in my head of okay this is what probably works there Mm -hmm. and but if it's a location where i haven't really seen photos from or if i'm you know if i'm planning a hike to get into a different location then i'm kind of just going there with an open mind and going okay and trying to look at the location with fresh eyes, even if it is a location that's been shot to death. I'm always trying to uh, photograph it with fresh eyes, which obviously can be difficult. Um, but if you know that you've seen a photo online of comp- composition that works and you rock up and the conditions are just going like crazy and you've got crazy colours or sunrise or something, yeah. I feel like you're better off having, you know, in the back of your mind, you've got that composition that you know is already going to work if you can't find something you already like. Yep. Yeah, and that is kind of bad because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you're you're just copying other people, but, you know, a lot of people have shot the exact same thing time and time again. Well, to be honest, you know, there's there's not much that hasn't already been photographed somehow, so, you know. Yeah, and, you know, there's that composition works because, you know, it works. Yeah, that's right. If if that composition works for that location, then, you know, there's a reason it works. That's exactly right. And I personally don't have a problem with, uh, you know, reworking somebody else's composition um, with my own sort of take on it. You know, it's it's yeah. something that I think, you know, every photographer, you know, and it's, it's not effectively just copying what somebody else has done before, but it's interpreting what somebody's done before and then putting their own spin on it. Yeah, well... I suppose, you know, if me and you, let's just say me and you go to the same location, we shoot the exact same composition, same time, same light. We're going to still have different images because of how we edit. You know? Exactly. 
exactly. Yeah. The interpretation you put to it is always going to be slightly different, even if you you, you capture. Well, and even down to the shooting, you know, you might be shooting, yeah. you know, at, at one particular shutter speed, and I'll be doing something else with different settings, you know, and those exactly. those setting differences will give you give give you different effects depending on what it is that you want to do. Yeah, and then when we get back into the edit, editing suite, you know, I might decide to put it in black and white, and you might decide to go with color. That's it. Yeah. 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 So in terms of the artistic side of things, um, when did that become part of what you do as opposed to just sort of recording an experience? When I was younger, I didn't really, I wasn't into really like drawing or painting or anything like that. Photography, I I say that I picked up a camera in 2011, but yep. in, ret in retrospect, I probably did pick it up like uh, 10 years before that even maybe or yeah, five years before yeah. that you know but it, i didn't really take it seriously 2011 is kind of when i knew that okay this is i could you know maybe do something with this and yeah. like the, in the family we, we've always had kind of a camera hanging around when i was younger um mm. but yeah kind of Back then when it was, you know, when mum actually bought a dedicated camera that wasn't one of the point and shoot pocket cameras and it was an actual DSLR, that was kind of when I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. But there wasn't really any moment when I like, it kind of like switched in my mind and I was like, oh, you know, landscapes, this is sick. It just kind of just happened. And yeah. the weird thing is that I remember back then, because um, I've self-taught, like I self-taught myself but then for some reason, I don't know what it was when I was a little kid, I just never thought, oh, I'll look up YouTube or I'll look up into a book of how to do this. For yep. some reason, I just yep. never did that. And it, it, that must seem so stupid now. Like I even I think that's so stupid. Why didn't I just look, like Google it? But <laughs> I remember when I was a little kid, I was just... I started Googling like this. So. Just, yeah, I just... I remember I worked out that if I closed down the aperture to like f22 that it made everything from kind of like right in front of me to the back coming come into focus but i didn't know why yeah, yeah, yeah eventually i don't know it just worked and then i realized that if i set the iso heaps high i get heaps of like grain and heaps of noise and yeah, but i didn't know yeah. why i was just a little kid trying to you know work out what each of these things did i probably would have been better if i youtubed it but i just never did and i eventually yeah. just kind of worked out how to do it yeah. Okay. So, how would you describe your style? I think my mom, my mum's against it. <laughs> um, she <laughs> wishes that I took really bright, beautiful, you know, um, beach type photos. You know, every yeah, you know the yeah. kind of the touristy ones you see on billboards, and you know everything's really happy, and you've got the two people in there in the sunlight, um, yeah, sunny skies all around. Yeah. Yeah, so with the sunburst and. All that type of thing. Um, I think they're quite they're quite moody, I suppose, but they've still got that um, quite natural like look to them. Like, sure. Um, if you if you look at them and like, I feel like a lot of people probably look at them and go, "Wow, he's done actually quite a lot of editing to that." And like nine times out of the ten, that actually isn't the case. A lot of them look the raw file actually quite looks quite close to that even though it is a raw file yep. um yep. yeah there's i don't do 
um, sky drops or anything like that. It's all, if that was there, that was there. Sure, sure. I guess what what are you trying to communicate with your photography or get across to anyone that might see it? Is there a story behind it or is it just here's a pretty picture? A lot of that, I feel like it is a pretty picture, but it helps me, you know, that I'm, I'm a... I'm a desk foyer person at the local um, club when I'm not taking photos, and okay, that's my that's my day to day life. But when I'm not working, um, yeah, I'm I'm taking photos, and you know that that help helps me, you know, get away from you know work and just you know that's my time. That's that's yep. that's, yep. that's that's, that's kind of why why I do photography because you know it makes me get away from everything else. Um, but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, they kind of are just pretty pictures. But to me, they're a lot more than that. You know, um, even though I'm quite young, you know, that's my life's work right there. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Okay. I notice you put a lot of emphasis on the environment in your your work. You know, is uh, some of your your bushfire scenes, for example, are uh, you know quite striking. How important is is the environment to you? And you know, I, I guess is that something that you try to? Is that something that you are trying to communicate as part of your work? You know, it, certainly to me, it, it it seems that way. But you know, I'm I'm just interested to hear yeah. your take on it. I would say I, I wouldn't say I'm a massive like advocate for that type of thing. Like I know a lot of landscape photographers are out there. Like you know, protect the environment. Um, this is you know, do or die, you know, I'm yeah, yeah. obviously, you know, I care about the environment. I'm a landscape photographer. I, I don't want to see it like not there. That doesn't yeah, give me anything to photograph yeah, anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I love the environment. I love landscapes, but I'm not really one to, you know, put my two cents into that really. I just kind of stay away from the whole like swirling pot of everyone, you know, you know, global warming and all that. I kind of just, you know, just stay away from that and, I just take my photos, you know, I don't damage the environment. I don't, I just go out there to take photos, really. I'm not, I'm not there to put my two cents in for that. All right. How do you balance? Uh, I mean, you, are you working full-time or part-time? How do, how do no, you? part-time. Okay. So how do you, that, I suppose, leaves you uh, quite a bit of free time for uh, photography. Is that right? Or Yeah. So, so I'm still living at home just with mum and dad still. Um, yep. And yeah, with work, they've been they're pretty great with it. They um, have kind of acknowledged that it's it's a hobby, but it's um, kind of like a passion at the same time. It's it's more than a hobby, I suppose you could say. Um, and yeah, they're they're quite flexible with my with my roster. And if I have a if I, if I need a day off um, where I'd want to go chase something unique or something they're quite um understanding most of the time but um yeah that's part kind of one of the reasons why i've kept myself at part-time just so i can i I kind of have that flexibility to still kind of drop everything and go if i need to um yeah just because yeah i don't know i suppose i can kind of use the excuse of i'm young and May as well travel while you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm old and I'm still still got that energy. 
<laughs> you keep going till you stop. <laughs> exactly. Um, so talk to me a bit about uh, your local area, of, you know, for people that don't know the area around uh, your part of the South Coast. What, what's it like? What are, what are conditions like and what are the things people might see if they're in that area? Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm at a just a local suburb called Palmer. Um, uh, my my house actually backs straight onto the local national park there, which is kind of it's inside the Morton National Park. Uh, yeah, it's just a, but where I live, it's kind of like a nature reserve next next to me, next to a house. It's kind of, it's called the uh, Palmer Creek Nature Reserve. Yep, yep. And yep. there's a number of like different waterfalls all through there. Uh, probably the biggest attraction, I suppose, is Tianjara Falls, which is probably uh, 15 minutes from me. Okay, uh, yeah. It only really flows when you've got a lot of rain. Um, usually you actually probably have to go while, it, while it's actually raining because yeah. the day after it would be just gone. The, the whole thing just dumps really, really quickly. And yeah, right. you've got such a small window to get an actual a photo of it with water going over the edge. Yeah. Hmm. What about a little bit further afield? Um, so, yeah, 45 minutes uh, about up, up uh, north. We've got Kayama, which I've done a lot of my seascape work out there. Um, and then probably uh, two, two and a half hours down the coast. I've uh, got Bermagui and Aruma, which I really, really like to um, go down there when I when I can, even though it's a little bit further away, but it um, offers me some unique stuff which I don't get to see every day. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So what's the most memorable experience you've had while shooting? I'm not sure if it's memorable, but I can probably the most, most emotion, most, you know, your adrenaline's going, your... Yeah, um, which would probably be my image entitled uh, My Country Burns from yep. inside a pyroculeonimbus firestorm. Okay. I can, if, you, if you'd like, I can tell you the whole, kind of whole story behind it. That's the point of the podcast. <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> um, so in 2019 on the 31st of December, so New Year's Eve, yeah, uh, my family and myself out at Palmer, we defended our house against the uh, Karawang uh, bushfire from mm-hmm. the one of the, obviously one of the fires from black from the Black Summer. Yep. When yep. basically all of Australia was on fire, but um, yeah, uh, we yeah we chose to uh, stay and defend. That was you know that was our choice. We discussed it. Um, and it was almost 20 years to the day. So 20 years prior, um, my dad and my mum's two brothers actually protected our property there that we didn't, we didn't have a house there at that time, but there was, um, my grandmother actually lives next door to us. She's actually passed away now. Um, but back then 20 years ago, she was there and she had a small house just down the road and yeah, my father and my two uncles, uh, they protected 
her house 20 basically 20 years to the day which was on the boxing day um, yep. 20 years ago um yeah so on that afternoon in 2019 we we decided to stay we had um multiple sprinkler setups our house has got a uh, probably, probably about a 60 meter gap all the way around the, the whole perimeter of the house the house is in the middle of a kind of a paddock and then you've got a clearing of about 50 meters all the way around yep um to the where the tree line is and um i'm pretty sure that the local government regulations is only 40 so yeah we've got about 50 to 60 um which i can tell you right now you need more than 60. Um, yep. so i think we yeah, um, needed about 150 kilometers to be honest <laughs> oh yeah that would have been good you know just no fire at all that would have been even perfect um, so yeah i think i think a lot of people kind of think that you know oh it's just gonna you know oh, i'm gonna stay and defend you know i've got my garden hose i've got my bucket you know i'm gonna be fine and that's not that I can tell you right now, that's not what it's like. Um, even with a 60 meter buffer from us to the house. Um, yeah, there was, we lost um, three small sheds. We lost a car. We lost two yeah. uh, large farm water tanks. Um, yeah, extensive damage just to the outside of the house. Our down lights melted with a 60 meter buffer. Our, Skylights melted. Um, so yeah, so from the fire came at 4 p.m. Yep. That afternoon, and the entire like area from no, no, sorry, not not 4 p.m. Sorry, 1 p.m. So from 1 p.m., um, the entire area just went black, and we did not see the sun until the next morning. Yeah. And yeah, so uh, my family and I, we, we stayed in Offended and it came from the south. We've got a small little creek um, that goes down into our backyard, probably beyond that 60 metres, it's a little downhill. And if you know anything about fire, um, it actually comes uphill quicker than it goes downhill. Yep. And I remember on that afternoon, the the whole, like everything went black and it wasn't, it wasn't smoke. It wasn't the whole area wasn't smoky. It was just the whole area just went dark, and then the wind dropped, and it was just dead silent. You could, we all had um, these shirts, these long sleeve shirts and long sleeve uh, long long pants with fire retardant uh, chemicals on them, so mm. it kind of prevents burns. Um, yeah, no, like we we kind of we knew that we wanted to stay in defense, so we we did it in like a safe practice we were prepared we did that whole situation and then yeah to uh, yeah probably about one or two p.m the entire wind dropped there was no wind and then everything okay. it's like someone just turned the lights out and then you could kind of you could kind of see the the fire came down the hill and went into the gully and then that's when the the wind dropped and the then you could literally you could hear a pin drop it was that quiet and then about 20 seconds and then the southerly turned the thing and it was like someone opened the best description i can give if someone opens when you when you're cooking and you grab an oven door and you yep. pull it open yep. and you get that big waft of heat mm -hmm. it was exactly like that 
So it was like someone opened an oven door and then this thing just went ballistic. It was, oh, my backyard's, well, we live on a 50-acre 50 prop, 50 property, but in where, where my house is situated, probably 200 metres wide. Yep. And yep. I want to say 40 to 50 metres high flames, and it just yeah. went ballistic. Um, yeah, it took... There was not a single piece of green grass. It burnt up to the back step, um, so up to concrete. Everything yep. else went. Yep. Um, I remember... There was a situation where I was at the um, left side of the house at the back, and so we all kind of had our we'd all we'd all planned what we were going to do. My brother and my dad were over near the shed. Me, my mum, and my sister were situated along the house. And yeah, I remember it got that hot that my my I had work boot my work boots on at that stage, and the rubber in my work boots doesn't exist anymore um mm. the we've got about four fire hoses on our actual house on the outside that yeah. i remember there was a stage where i felt that it was slowly like melting to my hand um the side of my nose got burnt um yeah it not really a fun experience um it's pretty intense yeah yeah uh and then that's when it was like kind of flaring up. That was when it's at its worst. And then it just rips the oxygen straight out of the air. So then you can't breathe. Wow. Um, but you, you can breathe, like you can feel yourself breathing. You can, when you kind of, if you breathe through your mouth, you can feel the air and the wind go past your lips. If you do that, Yeah. Like you'd, we'd be doing that, but then all you'd be getting in is like smoke and ash. So you'd get in nothing. There's, there's no oxygen in that. It's just yeah. ash and smoke. And it's, it's such a strange feeling. And, yeah, just trying to describe that to people. I just don't, again, I don't think people understand that, yes, we, we, we chose to stay and defend, but we knew that it could be the worst of the worst. And that is as worse, that's as bad as it can get. That was a, it was a pyrochilio nimbus with a built, it had a built-in flashover where, it's called area combustion where it's yep. so hot on one side that trees on the other side of the road or the other side of the property just ignite in flames because it's so hot. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, just, yeah, it's just such a, such a strange experience. And yeah, I've got a, um, a chunk of aluminium that sits on top of my bed head now. And it's from a, the car that we, we lost um i think it was and the aluminium rims had melted which if you look up i think it's a, about a thousand degrees for aluminium to melt yep. um so yeah yep. that just kind of gives you a sense of how hot it was and yeah they had they had um some people come and inspect the trees there and they said that um for the whole area ignition thing to happen it's around a thousand degrees which if you look up the surface area of the sun area ignition is about one sixth of that so it yeah. got the degrees of one sixth of the sun that's phenomenal <laughs> yeah um so then and, and you're, that, you're you're uh, taking photos while you're going or are you doing no so um 
I didn't even plan to pick up the camera. That was the least of my concern at that stage. It was, you know, save save the family, save the house type of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. So after the main kind of fire front passed through, then you're just left with everything's just on fire kind of thing, and you're not really in danger anymore because we've got that we've got a sixty meter buffer to the yeah, bush. Right. So my dad had mowed all of our lawn just basically back to dirt. Yep. And um, yeah, so we've got that sixty meter buffer. Then everything's just on fire. So that's that. You're fine. You're not going to die, right? Um, so then I remember oh, I still had the hose and I was, you know, hosing down the house because there's still embers coming from all the trees and the wind's still blowing. And my mum came over and she said, um, she took the hose off me and she said, go and do what you do best. And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, um, go get a photo. And I was like, really? And I thought, <laughs> okay, I suppose, I don't know. Like, so I went back in and. You know that's probably it's probably not the the smartest thing to do, but anyway, I thought, okay, well, I'll go get a photo. So I took my camera at the time, and I took my tripod with me. A lot, of, I don't actually shoot much anymore with a tripod, but yep. I did take it because I knew it was so dark, Bill. Um, and yeah, kind of went ran into the um, burning bush or what was left of it. Really, there's. It, it seriously wasn't a smart idea because there's trees falling, there's branches falling, it, everything's on fire still. Um, yeah, and captured a photo from within a firestorm with, and in the exposure, there's embers coming from these log which are kicking up in the foreground. And it's, um, I still remember the, the embers kind of bouncing off my boots and bouncing around my tripod legs. And yeah, I don't really think you can get really much more extreme than that really wow that's that's incredible yeah yeah and then from then on in it kind of um then i um was kind of moved by that experience and thought that uh you know let's try and make good out of kind of what happened so then i kind of created a mini series of images to follow with that one yeah okay and so what, what have you done with those images? Are you selling prints or is it uh, you, what, what, are you, what are you doing with them? Uh, yeah, so uh, even like including my bushfire images and all my other images, they're all on my website. Um, you can just buy, I ship prints um, all over Australia, worldwide. No, it's just the print. I don't actually sell it framed. I just, um, yeah, I get, I sign the print and roll her up, put her in a postal tube and I send the, the print out. Um, yeah, so all the bushfire images there for sale and yeah. Okay, cool. In terms of uh, you, you you mentioned you're not using a, a tripod much more. Uh, what, what's, your, what's your process in the field once, once you actually, you know, decide where you're going to go and you've, you know, got on, on location? What are, you, what are you thinking about? What are you... What are you looking for? What are you What are you doing? Yeah. Um, so at the moment, I've kind of probably in the last three years, I I still shoot with a tripod sometimes. Just depends kind of on the conditions. Um, obviously, nighttime or blue hour, you really need a tripod. But I'd say that you the other eighty percent of the time, you don't actually. I personally think you don't need one. Um, 
tuning on um, the Sony mirrorless system uh, at the moment and have been for a couple of years now. And yeah, just with that in, inbuilt uh, stabilization on the sensor, it, it's just yeah, it's pretty amazing what you can pull off. Uh, a big big one that I'm, big person I'm influenced by is uh, New Zealand's Will Patino, who's also from the south coast of New South Wales. Yeah. He, he does a lot of, yeah, he does a lot of his stuff handheld. And yeah, I've, me and Will met up in 2017 and he, yeah, he taught me quite a lot of stuff um, back when I was still kind of getting the ropes, the whole landscape thing. And yeah, he was shooting uh, Sony back then and I was on a Canon and he was just, you know, he could, he could hold, hand hold like three or four stops below what I could do it on a Canon. And yeah, that's what, kind of what made me make the switch. And I can comfort, like comfortably handhold down to uh, one sixth now. Okay. And yeah, that's with keeping the ISO. I usually don't push it over 200, but my limit's kind of 640. Um, yeah, uh, probably, I want to say, uh, probably 60% of my work on my website's all handheld, but a lot of that stuff's old stuff that was shot on the tripod, but yeah, right. yeah, no, it's, um, I just like the fact that, you know, a lot of people, you know, oh, you're on a tripod, you know, that's the only way to shoot your, you know, if it's not on a tripod, it's not tap, it's not sharp. It's, you know, and I think, I just think that's a lie, you know, like technology. Yeah. Maybe like five, five or 10 years ago, that was the fact, but you know, technology has oh. come so far and if we're all going to spend, for spending thousands of dollars on like, camera equipment and it can do that without using a tripod, then, you know, what's the point in you're just kind of limiting yourself with what you can do with a tripod because there's certain, definitely certain situations and angles that you can't get to um, with a tripod. And uh, yeah, if you can do it without one, then I don't really see the point in having to use one. Yeah, 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 got it. So what about when you get the shots home? What's your processing workflow look like? Uh, well, at the moment, it's just put them on a hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of I, um, put them into um, folders. If it's a multi-day trip, I, you know, divide them up into sunrise one, day one, sunset day one, sunrise day two, that type of thing. Sure. Or waterfall or location. And then, um, yeah, I kind of open up the raw files and have a bit of a play around. I'm like, okay, you know, I might do a quick two-minute little edit on it and just see how it looks and be like, okay, yeah, that file's got some potential. And then I'll usually close it down and don't open it for another two months. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah, no, um when I eventually do get around to editing it, I, I'll, I'll edit it and then I'll sit on the image for a couple of days and, you know, close it down, reopen it with fresh eyes and another day. And, um, you know, you'll be surprised how many things you can pick up on a photo that you've been sitting on for a while. But um, another thing with that is kind of don't, I personally don't keep going back to the same image because like on my own worst like enemy when it comes to that type of stuff i'll open it up after two days and i'll just look at it and i go that's a terrible edit why would, why would i even think that's good and then i'll just scrap the entire thing so what i tend to do is i'll um 
I'll open it up, um, edit that edit, edit that image, close it down. Two days later, maybe open it up. But in the meantime, I'm also working on other images. Yeah. Uh, just keep the um, you know the mind ticking over with yep. different things, and then I'm not like my mind's not hating the image that I'm editing because I just get into this trap where I'm just like, what am I doing? That looks horrible. Mm. What are you, is there anything that you're trying to do to sort of get around that feeling? And, you know, I mean, that sounds like you, you're hitting that creative wall fairly often. What, what do you do to get yourself out of that? Um, I think it's both in the field and in the editing suite, actually. You know, uh, a lot, I feel like a lot of people go out and if there's not a really good sunset or sunrise or the conditions aren't perfect, I just don't go out and then I'm yeah. kind of, you know, in the past and I still do it to this day, you know, I'll read the conditions and it's not perfect. And, um, you know, it's something that I need to, um, you know, get past, you know, there's other images out there than just that incredibly like burner sunrise and sunset, you know, you can, Absolutely. You can Absolutely. intimate scenes and you can, you know, bring the telephoto out and you can zoom into those wider landscapes. Um, that's something that I kind of tend to do if the conditions aren't right, you know, I'd switch up the focal length or something like that. Uh, with editing, um, yeah, that's just kind of a, a, um, a hate relationship with myself and my computer, really. I, yeah, just, I don't know. It, it, Eventually, I'll settle on an, on an edit or a, or a certain file and I kind of just whittle away at it. And eventually, I get there, even as annoyed as I do get as, at the files. Um, eventually, it gets there and eventually, somehow, it gets to social media and it gets posted. But yeah, I feel like a lot of the time I'm posting it and I'm still not happy with it. But you know, that's as if I've given it my best crack, then I've been given it my best crack and I'm happy with it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. In in terms of social media, what do you see that the the future of that at the moment? And you know, I'm asking that in terms of a lot of people have uh, complained about their you know engagement dropping, particularly on Instagram, with the shift away from still to more video content than um, you know. And there's then there's also sort of the a bit of a, a photography renaissance in Twitter going on. Where do you see social media's place in terms of photography, but also in particular landscape photography? Uh, yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a big on the whole, you know, shoot for yourself, you know. It's not about the followers. It's not about the likes, you know, mm. that, that can get into people's minds and, you know, oh, wow, look how many followers this person's got. Look how many comments, how many likes this person's got. And, you know, that's just, it, it just, it's just this vicious cycle that goes over and over again. Yeah, it's the trap I think a lot of people fall into, you know, particularly early yeah. in their careers. Yeah. Um, and then, like, another one is, like, that you have to post and you have to keep up and you have to feed the algorithm of social yeah. media to be successful. And... You know, when I first picked up a camera, it wasn't for the likes, it wasn't for the subscribers, it wasn't for the comments. You know, that all that type of thing was only just kind of really starting. And you know, I miss the um, the Flickr and 500px and 
the original Instagram boom, you know, um, like probably quite a lot of us did, you know, um, we weren't on it from the start and yep. the people yep. who were on it from the start probably do have a lot more followers than everyone else. But, you know, if you're shooting for yourself and if you're, um, you know, if you're just putting the work out there to share it with others, then I think that's great. But yeah, just, I personally, you know, don't get caught up in trying to feed the algorithm and yeah. Um, keep other people happy because that's not the reason why I picked up a camera. It's for me and that's why I like it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and eventually, you know, I will release work and I'm, I don't want to rush myself with that type of thing. And if people get unhappy with that, then, you know, that's their fault. You know, they can choose to follow me, unfollow me. That's all them. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. What's the what's your favourite thing about being a photographer? Probably that I really, really enjoy when you're at a location, let's just say you're at a sunrise and it's the sky is incredible. You've got, let's, I don't know, you're at a seascape location, you've got great flow, The your composition, you, you've nailed your composition. Let's say that you've, you've scouted it before and you know you rock up and you know, okay, this is going to be a good sunrise or sunset and I'm just going to normal this. And there's no one else there. And I just I just love those moments when you've kind of pushed the shutter or you know you're holding your camera and you're taking a photo and then you kind of just sit back and you kind of just take it all in and there's no one else there. Yep. And you know, 85% of the rest of Australia or wherever you are in the world is, you know, fast asleep on their pillow somewhere or you know, heading off to bed if it's near sunset or something like that. And yep. Yeah, you've just kind of got the entire location to yourself. Yep. Or even if, you know, if you're hiking with a couple of friends or something, it's just you and, you know, two or three mates or something and you've got the entire location to yourself and it's just like, wow, you know, this is really good. That's, for me, that's the, that's the thing that I really enjoy about landscape photography. It's you're there, you're in Mother Nature and you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're at, at a moment when it's, at its most special yeah and to cop like to top it all off you know you're taking a photo of it and you know i could i could just go out and i could just not take photos you know i could just do that but you know just to have that little bit extra thing of being able to capture it and then eventually when i you know get around to post processing it then i can share it with other people but you know um yeah just just getting to enjoy those moments where it's like wow like what a moment yeah yeah okay so what about your least favorite thing i want to say the early mornings yeah i feel like a sleep in um yeah yeah probably the sleep in i I do i do like the sleep in um but uh photography wise probably oh that's a good question my least favorite thing um Maybe not with my photography, but with like kind of the general community. Of, yeah, right. Again, kind of just the whole, the whole thing I just talked about. You know, feeding the social media like algorithm of yeah. post, 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 shoot, shoot, shoot. Um, you know, followers, 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 likes, likes, likes. You know, you're just that's all you want. You fi- you get fixated. The community just get fixated on this. Um, you know, like this addictive thing of 
I've got to go to the next location. I've got to get the best shot. I've got to, I've got to post it. I've got to, you know, I've got to get the likes. I've got to show people, you know, just, you know, just slow down, just take a step back, you know, just enjoy it. You know, it's not about, I don't think it is, you know, I don't think it's about going fast and getting as many photos and of everything as quick as possible and getting it out there for the world. You know, I just, if you take a step back and just really enjoy it, then yeah. I feel like you'll you'll enjoy your landscape photography more. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a pretty cool way of putting it, I guess. What do you like to do when you're not out shooting? I'm a, I'm a bit of a nerd, um, as you can probably tell from the glasses. <laughs> Obviously, you can't see the glasses in the podcast, but um, yeah, um, I do like a good movie or um, video games have kind of been a big part of my life since I was probably about four, really. Um, other yeah. than yeah, that's another thing kind of my parents introduced me to when I was younger was uh, video games. And, yeah, they've kind of stuck ever since. If I'm not, when I probably should be editing a photo, I'm probably playing video games and wasting my time that way. But, um, yeah, it's another good hobby. Okay. If you weren't a photographer, what would you be? Ooh. Um, I want to say I'd be probably something in the creative field, like maybe a painter, but I just don't think I, I don't think I'd have the patience for it really. I think even though landscape photography, you've got to be patient. I, it's just a whole different thing because you're just staring at a, like a canvas all day or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I don't know. Maybe something in the whole video game thing. That's, maybe maybe not like a streamer but i don't know maybe you know development team or probably go to uni for something like that um that's you know that's that interests me a bit but no i think you know i love the challenge of landscape photography and i love how you can uh, look at a scene different from another person i love how you know, you might depict this uh, of this location. I might depict that of this location. I might photograph a small little leaf with a measurement of like five centimeters, and you know, no one else will ever be able to find that because it's you know, good luck. You know. Yeah. Who do you go to for advice about your photography? Is there anyone that you you, you ask, or is it purely self? teaching um i i shoot a lot by myself or with kind of just um my whole friend group but they're not really photographers they just they kind of come along with me for a hike or a sunset and they just kind of sit sit on the side and enjoy it while i shoot um i don't not really i i kind of do kind of just spend time it's just kind of just me and my photography uh um maybe that is a bad thing. I don't know. It's just kind of always been that way. I've kind of just shared the whole photography thing with the people who are closest in my life, which I really enjoy. I really enjoy. I've been on a couple of trips. I've been to um, one in New Zealand with a close mate. I've been um, to Tasmania with my girlfriend and um, yeah, another close mate. And we went around there. They, they're not landscape photographers, but they, they do, you know, they do um, like taking photos, but they're not, you know, they're not 
just going there for landscapes. They do. I feel like they more they like the adventure, yeah. and but I do think that a lot of the time I kind of plan the trip and like with with recently with Tasmania, they get to see so much um, of the state because I'm taking them to all these really unique and cool places to t- for me to take photos. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And you know, I feel like they come away with such a great experience to tell the rest of their family or, you know, their friends that, you know, oh, I went with um, my friend Sam and we went down to Tasmania and we went to here and here and here and here and here, you know, like it's like my my friend's own little like tourist guide kind of thing. Um, nice. But, yeah, no, I, it's kind of just always just been me, me, my camera, and I sometimes take my friends along with me, really. Yeah, cool. Is there anyone that uh, you think I should be talking to on the podcast? Someone who I probably I have a chat to every now and again on Instagram is uh, probably Matty Hopkins. Um, okay. I really really like his style. Um, I feel like we 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 kind of bounce off each other with a lot of our ideas and um, a couple you know our editing styles kind of quite close with some things. Um, yeah, he's. Uh, I'd probably get him on. He's a he's a great great lad, and um, I'd love to kind of know how he got started with it all, and um, kind of what his future is with photography. If he wants to take it further, or oh. I'm not I don't I'm not don't think it's his day job, but you know, um, yeah, that be. I think you should get him on. It'd be really cool. Yeah. Okay. I'll uh, I'll certainly uh, put him on the list if I haven't already got him there, because um, uh, it's uh, it, it's. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think I'll ever run out of people to talk to. No, no. <laughs> but it's always good to see if there's anyone new floating around. All right, well, I've got one more question for you, and it's, uh, you know, probably the most important issue I think that uh, landscape photographers have to deal with at the moment. Do you like pineapple on pizza? If it's the only option, I'll eat it, but I'm not order. I won't go out of my way to order it. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's not not my go-to choice. Yeah, like I like it. You know, meat lovers or um, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, if it's there, I'll eat it. Even if there is other pizzas there, I'll still eat it. You know, I would kind of like to you know have a slice of everything and kind of walk yeah. away with my own mini pizza. <laughs> Variety's the the spice of life. Exactly, the spice of life. Yep. All right. Well, thanks very much uh, for taking the time to talk to me today, Sam. It's been fantastic getting to know you a bit better and learn a bit more about you. Where can people find your work? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I'm on um, all of the kind of major ones. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. I am on Twitter. I don't really use it that much. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I am on there. Uh, Instagram's just uh, Sam underscore Markham underscore. And then if you just type in, yeah, Samuel, Sam Markham on Facebook, you'll find me. And cool. uh, my website's just um, samuelmarkham.photography. All right, brilliant. Thanks very much, Matt. No worries. Thanks for having me, Grant. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon. Mm-hmm.